be like, Life Spring, we have had church this morning already. I'm like, why am I here? I don't even know. Y'all can go. It's been, <laughs> oh gosh, the presence of the Lord is just here this morning. And I am so um, very blessed to be able to be up here again and share with you um, what the Lord has laid on my heart this weekend. Ryan and I were talking before service and we were talking about how this was a struggle this week. Um, it's interesting how the week that um, I'm speaking on rest was a really, really hard, trying, busy week. Right? That's what the enemy does. And Ryan and I are both saying the same thing. It was just a struggle this week. So I know that God has something to say today. I know that there is something that God wants to impart on us today. And like I said last week, whenever I'm asked to speak, it's usually because it's something that I need to learn. Um, God knows that my listening skills are not as good as maybe they should be. I was the kid in class that talks too much in class. Yeah, I was that kid. I'm sorry, teachers in here. I'm sorry. I was that kid. Um, So God, like, okay, let me have you study on this and speak on it so that I can really talk to you about it. And um, once again, this was something that really spoke to my heart this week. Um, So let's pray. Lord, we are so amazed by you. Your mercies are new every day. We thank you for your presence here, Lord, for what you have already done in this service, Lord. And we ask that you just continue to pour out, Lord. That the words that are spoken are from you. And that we have the ears to hear and the hearts to receive. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so like I said, I had a really busy week. How many of you... Had a really busy week. Um, I don't have children that live at home anymore. We're empty nesters. And I'm thinking, how in the world did I ever have time for children? Because (laughs) I am so busy as an empty nester. I feel like I'm busier than when I had kids. But um, we had six kids. And six kids does make you busy. And all of our kids played sports. And so it felt like every night... We were chauffeuring somebody to some practice or some track meet or some game, sitting on the sidelines, usually in the rain here in Washington, watching a game or on a hard bleacher somewhere. And plus, we both had full-time jobs, and we were in ministry, and it was just busy. We just ran and ran. Um, And sometimes when things get busy, things tend to get forgotten. Perhaps a child gets forgotten. (laughs) And Tony is one of our twin sons, and he still will bring up the time that I forgot about him after practice and left him sitting there. I was at work, and I'd gotten involved in a project, and I totally forgot to go get him. And it brings him great joy to remind me (laughs) how I have left him all alone, by himself, abandoned by the mother that supposedly loved him. This child is 34 years old, and he still brings up this story. Still. Right? That's what Kids are great at that, making me feel eternally guilty for my failures. But life is busy. We are pulled in a million directions, and our culture has not let up. In fact, it has gotten more demanding. So I was doing some research, and a recent survey shows that in the United States, 
75% of males and 66% of females work more than 40 hours a week. The average full-time employee works 47 hours a week. It's one of the highest figures in the world. 55% of Americans do not use all of their vacation days. In fact, for those that receive vacation, they will only take less than half of the time that's given to them. And only one in five Americans actually spend their lunch break away from their desk, with most eating their midday meal while they continue to work. And then let's add computers and cell phones into this mix. So the average adult now consumes five times more information every day than their counterpart did 50 years ago. The average American worker receives 121 emails per day. America, I feel like that's double in my office. I don't know why. But I'm like, only 121? I feel like I get a million emails a day. Um, Americans spend an average of 12 hours a day in front of computers and televisions. Americans check their phone on average once every 12 minutes or over 80 times a day. And this equals spending on average five hours a day on our cell phones. Busyness is the byproduct of a digital age. Our 24-7 connected culture is blurring the line between work and life. We never turn off, and we have lost the ability to become unavailable. And so with all these things that draw at our time, it is no wonder that people think they can't make time to rest, let alone spend time with God. In fact, about 6 in 10 Christians say that it is often or always true that the busyness of life gets in the way of developing their relationship with God. I don't believe that's how God intended us to live life. The fourth commandment is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Somehow, everything we just talked about above, all the busyness and the extra work and the running around, it just doesn't seem to mesh with that commandment. So let's take a look at the whole commandment, and this is Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do... You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now this is the longest of the Ten Commandments. Yet, it's the one Christians most often treat as a suggestion. This is the commandment people say that they'll get to someday. Someday I'll slow down and I'll really take a break. Someday I'll make the effort to regularly go to church so I can worship. I just can't now. I mean, I have work and I have school and I have kids and sports and dance rehearsals. The list just goes on. 
There is just too much to do to rest. I'll just have to squeeze it in when I can. But we don't do this for the other commandments. I mean, you never hear someone say, okay, next month I am really going to cut back on the things that I steal. Right? (laughs) Or by the end of the year, my goal is to stop making those carved images of other idols. And on Monday, I am really going to work on not murdering anyone. Right? But we take that attitude with keeping the Sabbath. Finding time to honor the Sabbath has become a disposable commandment. But it's in God's top ten. And it's the longest commandment. God talked the most about this commandment. Why does God feel remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy is so important. So let's start by taking a look at what the Sabbath means. So the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew verb Shabbat, which means to cease or desist from exertion, cease, rest, and cease from labor. So the word Sabbath means more than just taking a pause. It meant to cease, to come to a complete and total stop. So if a police officer yells at you to cease and desist, you're not just going to kind of slow down and really just stop, kind of stop what you're doing. No, hopefully you are going to stop and come to a complete stop right away. Now in the Jewish culture, they quite literally stop everything that they are doing on Shabbat. From sundown on Friday to sundown Saturday, everything cease and desist. And last November, a group of us from LifeSpring and two other Foursquare churches, um, we took a trip to Israel, and it was amazing. And it was really interesting to be in Israel during Shabbat. Because on Friday evening, in the Jewish parts of the cities, everything shuts down. Businesses close, restaurants close, schools are out at noon on Fridays, because everything by sundown stops. And in the hotel we were staying in, um, there was what they call a Shabbat elevator. So if you were Jewish on Shabbat, you would take this elevator. And this elevator literally stops on every floor all the way up and stops on every floor all the way down. Because pushing a button is work. Let me just say from experience, if you accidentally get on the Shabbat elevator on Shabbat, it makes for a long trip when you're on one of the top floors. And the pushing the button thing um, came into play on Saturday morning because the latte machines were turned off because it required a button to push them. This was really disappointing. (laughs) But there are actually 39 categories of activities that Jewish people cannot do during Shabbat. And this list is called the Melakot, and this is it. And then, so these are just categories So if you picture like each of these across the line, there are things that are under that category that you can't do. There's more forbidden activities underneath. This is a lot of things to not be doing. But then when sundown comes on Saturday, it's a big celebration. Families get together and the dinners we had on Saturday night after Shabbat were amazing. And then on Sunday, their week starts. So both the work week and the school week starts on Sunday. For the Jewish people in Israel. 
And we had an amazing guide with us on our tour, and his name was Mickey. And Mickey was a Messianic Jew, so he's a Jew that recognizes Jesus as the Messiah. And his Bible knowledge and historical knowledge, I thought, you should be teaching in a university somewhere. I mean, he was amazing. Um, And we were talking, and I was talking to him specifically about Shabbat. And he said something very interesting. He said, statistically, less than half of the Jewish people participate in Shabbat for religious reasons. He said the majority do it because it's tradition or a part of their culture. It doesn't hold any religious significance for them. And I was thinking, is this so different how some people in our culture view going to church? Jan Lloydhammer is in our small group, and if you guys don't know Jan and Dave, they are amazing, amazing people. And she grew up in a small town in Alabama. And we were talking one day about how many people go to church in the South. A lot of people in the South, not like here in Washington, a lot less people find that important in the culture here. But down in the South, a lot of people do. And she said, oh, that's just what's expected. Many people go because it's what they're supposed to do. It's the culture. You go to church on Sunday. It's what you do. So in thinking about the fourth commandment, I think sometimes we've simplified this commandment to the thou shalt go to church commandment. And if we go to church and listen to a sermon and go home, then we can check the box. Commandment four complete. But the purpose of all the commandments is to draw us into a deeper relationship with God, to know God more. Showing up to church, sitting in a chair, and then leaving because it's what we're supposed to do, it's missing the mark. I think there is way more to this commandment than checking off the I went to church this week box. So let's take a look at the first line of this commandment, and it's verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So the word holy means a sacred place or thing, something that is consecrated or dedicated to a sanctified purpose. So the very first thing that God designated as, as holy wasn't a thing at all or a place. It was a span of time. And let's look at Genesis 2, and this is 2, 1 through 3, and this is the amplified version. So the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts inhabitants. And by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested, ceased, on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it as his own. That is, set it apart as holy from other days, because in it he rested from all his work, which he had created and done. So after God created the heavens and all the earth, he rested. Not because he was tired. God didn't need a nap. You know, God just said, let there be, dot, 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 and it was done. It wasn't like he had a box full of elephants from Ikea that he had to put together, right? He, was, he just spoke it into existence, and it happened. No, he rested because he was finished. He ceased what he was doing. And then because in that seventh day he rested, he blessed it and called it holy. 
God made no other time period holy other than his Sabbath. The Sabbath wasn't just an afterthought of God after creation. It was purposeful and intentional. God gave rest to that day. He declared it a time for us to stop, to cease working, to cease doing, to remember the Lord and his creation. It was a time for us to rest. So the Sabbath isn't just a day to come into church and sing some songs and hear a message, then be on our merry way back into the busyness of life. We talked last week about the third commandment, about how when we take the name of the Lord in vain, it makes it common and meaningless. And when we don't take time to stop and remember the Lord and his holiness and his sovereignty and the blessings that he has given us, we take something that God has set apart and make it the same as any other day. And isn't that the goal of the enemy? The enemy would like nothing more than to take the day that the Lord set aside for us to rest and reflect and spend time with him and turn it into just another day. To fill it up with all the things of this world, which in the end, doesn't matter. The enemy will use anything to try and keep us out of relationship with God. And this is a quote from A.J. Swoboda. He is the senior pastor of the Hawthorne Foursquare Church. And I just thought this was so powerful. One of the most ruinous ideas the devil ever imagined wasn't getting us to kill murder, or plunder, but getting us so busy, we actually think resting in God's joy is a waste and not worship. Time with God isn't a waste. But by not taking the time to remember the Sabbath, are we not then saying to God, my time is better spent elsewhere than with you? Church, this hit me in the heart this week. Have I filled my life with so much stuff that I don't truly take the time to rest in his presence? Is the busyness preventing me from not receiving all that God has for me? The commandments are the words of a father who loves his children and wants them to come into the full blessing he desires for them. God commanding us to rest is a gift from him. By taking the time to truly rest in the Lord, we open our hearts to receive from him what all of our busyness and running around and the noise of this world would block out. Some of you may know that Dave and I, we live in Bonnie Lake, but before that we lived out in Buckley. We like to joke that we lived at Base Camp 1 of Mount Rainier. Um, The hikers would stop to our house on the way up for hot chocolate. Um, But we were out kind of on the South Prairie area, for those of you that are familiar. And they have this really great biking and riding trail out there. So they've done, um, I think it's the Rails to Trails program, where they pave over old abandoned railroad tracks, and they make these really great trails. And I believe the trail goes from all the way from Buckley to Ording, maybe even to Sumner now. Um, but what's really cool is if you take the trail from South Prairie to Ording, um, it's seven miles, but there's a donut shop in Ording. So you can stop and get a donut and then ride back, right? Because it's totally justified. You've just, you know, pedaled 14 miles 
So Dave, one day, he's like, you know what, let's, let's take our bikes and go, go do the trail. I'm like, okay. Um, so we go, and we're going from South Prairie to Ording. And we decide just to go halfway, because if you go seven miles one way, you have to come back that seven miles as well. And so we're like, okay, we're just going to go a little bit. So we're pedaling, and we're going, and it's beautiful, and it's nice, and other people are out, and it's great. And then we decide to turn around. And on our way back, very quickly we discovered that the trail from South Prairie to Ording is slightly downhill (laughs) the entire way. And so, which means going back was slightly uphill the entire way. And so Dave was in front of me, and I'm pedaling, and I am dying. He's like, I can't even keep, keep up with him. And it feels like I'm pedaling and not getting anywhere. And by the time we finally get back to his truck, I was exhausted. My legs were like jello. And I'm like, here, Dave, take the bike. Because, I mean, I just, I could barely breathe. And I was really tired. But Dave wasn't as tired as I was, which made me feel even worse. (laughs) I'm like, man, this was awful. So the next weekend, Dave goes, let's go do the trail again. Are you outside your mind? You know that it is uphill the entire way back. He's like, come on, you can do it. You know, if we keep doing it, it's going to get easier. I'm like, okay. So we go and we do it again. And going towards Ording, we're great. We didn't even go as far this time. He's like, we won't even go as far. I'm like, I feel like we didn't go that far last time, but that's okay. You know, so so here we're going. We get there. We turn around and start coming back. And again, I am just, my legs are burning and it is so hard. And this time Dave was behind me. And he comes up to me, and he goes, are you in the lowest gear? And I said, and I said to him, well, okay, so maybe when I'm tired and frustrated, I might get a little sassy. And so I'm like, yes, I am in the lowest gear. And he goes, what gear are you in? I said, 10. And he goes, Laura, which number is lower, one or 10. <laughs> and what I had realized is like looking at my bike, I had pushed, literally pushed the gear all the way down. So yes, I was in the lowest gear, like physically. But that whole time I was in gear 10. So when I flipped it up, it was amazing. I'm like, Woo! <laughs> I can ride for days. <laughs> this, is, this is so much better. And I mean, it was still challenging because we were still going uphill. But it was way easier. I had made something so much more difficult than it needed to be. And I think, church, sometimes we go through life that way. We make things so much harder than they need to be because we don't stop and rest in the Lord and get refreshed from him. We just pedal and pedal and pedal and pedal through something that is already challenging. We need to stop and rest. But remembering the Sabbath, though, isn't about following a list of rules. So I spoke earlier about the 39 categories that the Jewish people have to follow on the Sabbath. And each of those categories contain more forbidden activities. And some of these activities are are pretty interesting. Like, for example, it's forbidden to walk... In uh, barefoot in grass because you could break a blade of grass and that would be considered threshing, which is work. 
Tying a knot is considered weaving two threads. And you can't tear paper. It falls under the finishing category. So for modern Jews, quite literally, toilet paper can't be torn. I know, I'm like, wow, okay, these are pretty tough rules. (laughs) Pretty, pretty tough. And in Jesus' day, of course, the Pharisees were quick to judge those who broke any part of the laws. And they continually tried to get Jesus on breaking the laws of the Sabbath. And so I want to read this story. This is in Mark 2, 23 through 27. It says, One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. For the Pharisees, keeping the law was more important than Sabbath rest. But Jesus was telling them, God made the Sabbath for man, not the other way around. We don't honor the Sabbath in order to complete a list of rules and regulations. We are no longer under the law because Jesus is the fulfillment of the covenant. But like Jesus said in Mark, the Son of, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Keeping the Sabbath holy isn't to make you right with God. Only accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior can do that. We should keep the Sabbath because it's a gift to us from God. God loved us so much that he wanted us to stop from our labors and take time to rest. Honoring the Lord on the Sabbath is a response. It's our response to a God who set aside time to spend with the part of his creation that he loved the most. And that's us. Remembering the Sabbath isn't about ritual. It's about relationship. So what can we, people in the American culture in the year 2019, do to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? One way we can is what we're doing right now. Spending time in worship together. Leviticus 23.3 says, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. So the word convocation is from a Hebrew word, mikra, which means a public meeting or a gathering or an assembly. So God added some information here about Sabbath. It was also a time for holy assemblies, or what we would call worship services. Jesus showed us many examples of the importance of assembling together for worship. Mark 1.21 says, Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And Mark 6.2 And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? 
What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? And Luke 14, 6 said, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And the disciples continued following this example that Jesus had set. Acts 13.4 says, When they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And Acts 13.42 says, When the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them on the next Sabbath. And Acts 18.4 says, He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. So what better way to remember the Sabbath than to get together with other believers and worship the God who created the Sabbath? We get to worship the Lord surrounded by his people, and what a blessing that is. But it's, it's not about being ritualistic and checking off the I went to church box. I spent many years checking off the I go to church box. I was raised in the church my whole life. I do not remember a time in my life of not going to church. My very first memories are at my grandmother's Baptist church, and I was on the platform. I remember it must have been a Christmas play because I was a shepherd, but I was like a lame shepherd because I had a little crutch, I remember. And I remember being really perturbed that I was not Mary. I felt like that was my calling, apparently, because I remember just being this little bitter shepherd person up up on the stage. But that's like one of my first memories, and all through, I, and my parents brought me to church. We went to church every single Sunday. But how many of you know that the distance between your head and your heart can be vast and deep? I knew God in my head, but I didn't have a heart relationship with him. I went to church every Sunday. I sat in a pew, and I listened to the sermon. Um, And I say the word listened very loosely. But truly, I was just checking off the go-to-church box. But when I came to know Jesus here in my heart, everything changed. I wanted to be in his presence. I wanted to spend time worshiping him and honoring him and drawing closer to him, both in private and with a group of believers. And I still want this. Can I tell you how much it means to me to stand in worship together with you, to seek out God together, to praise and worship and honor him? It's water to my soul. We rest to gather strength and energy and rebuild. Spending time worshiping with others is a way of gathering strength. We gather strength from the Lord and from each other. And this is why it says in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And another way we can remember the Sabbath and keep it holy is to spend time making the day different. So remember, we talked about the word holy means to be set apart. Just like as in Christ we are set apart, we should be setting apart time for things other than the routine things of life. 
So Genesis 2-3 says, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And as Christians, we're not supposed to be doing the same things the world does. We're supposed to be doing things differently. And Romans 12-2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I love the message version. Um, this is Colossians 3, 1 through 4. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too. The real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. So how can we honor God and set ourselves apart and the day apart, how do we make it not like any other day? We have to be intentional. Intentional about saying, I want one day a week to not like, be like the other days. I choose to spend time doing something different. Maybe it's turning off electronics to engage with people. I know a bunch of you just started sweating the very minute I just said that. But I mentioned earlier how much time as Americans we spend in front of a screen. Maybe we can, for a few hours, step away from that device in honor of the Lord and fill that time with things that bring us and Him pleasure, like engaging with people. Jesus spent so much time interacting with people. He ate meals with them. He went to their weddings. He listened to them. Loving people honors God. So perhaps we can be intentional about engaging with others. Maybe we can have a regular time. We have family or friends over for a meal. Put all the cell phones in a basket and have conversations. Spend time enjoying the people that the Lord has placed in your life. I believe that honors him. Maybe it's taking time to enjoy God's creation. Take a walk somewhere. Hike a trail. Ride a bike, preferably in the right gear. Um, spend time sitting in your backyard. Or even find a park bench somewhere and just sit. Take in all of the amazing things that God has created for us. And I wanted to share with you some pictures um, that Debbie Mendoza has of times that her and Jesse spend in nature. These are amazing. I mean, they're just beautiful. And I love it that they take time to get away from the everyday busyness of life and spend it in God's creation. And I think I can safely say that Jesse and Debbie never go, man, we should have spent more time at work rather than coming to see this. No, they are taking that time together and setting it apart and doing something different. 
And we are very fortunate to have this view from our backyard. Um, Let me tell you, it never gets old. I must have a million pictures of Mount Rainier on my phone. I know it's in my backyard, but I still feel like I need to take, this is amazing, can I take a picture? I can't help it. Um, It's beautiful. But I look at it and I think of the majesty of God, that he would create something so beautiful for our pleasure. So spending time enjoying God's creation honors him. Spending time to make the day different isn't about being legalistic. This is about choosing to step out of the routine of our everyday lives in order to seek him and enter into deeper relationship with him. As God was purposeful and intentional about creating time set apart for us to rest, we need to be purposeful and intentional about creating time set apart to rest and honor him. And finally, we can also remember the Sabbath by spending time resting in his presence. Mark 6, 30 through 32 says this. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourself and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. And I picture the apostles in the story. They're like talking over each other and excited and telling Jesus about all the things they had done. And Jesus didn't say, wow, you guys work so hard, but you know what? We still haven't met our salvation quota for this week. We've got to get back out there and sell, sell, sell. No time for rest. We've got a job to do. No, of course not. He said exactly the opposite. He said, come away and rest. Jesus knew how important it was to spend time in God's presence. And the story of Mary and Martha is a really good example of this. And this is Luke 10, um, 38 through 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat on the floor listening to Jesus as he talked. But Martha was the jittery type and was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Sir, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, Martha, dear friend, you are so upset over all these details. There is really only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and I won't take it away from her. Mary had stopped her routine and was resting in the presence of Jesus. Martha was so caught up in being busy, she forgot about taking the opportunity to encounter Jesus when he was right in front of her. We need to spend time in his presence. Again, it's intentional. We need to choose to seek him. Choose to drop our everyday busyness and seek his face. We need to choose to rest in his presence. Spending time with God maintains our relationship with him. We pour out and we pour out and we pour out all through the week. And by spending time in his presence, we can allow the Holy Spirit to come and fill us up 
to replace all that we lost during the week. And the scriptures talk about spending time in his presence. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. James 4.8 says, Come near to God and he will come near to you. Psalm 62.1 says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. And Exodus 33.14 says, And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy is to stop, to set time apart to honor God, to show him that we love him, to allow him to pour into us, to worship him, to revel in his creation, to love him, and to love each other. God, in his amazing, incredible love for us, set aside time for us to rest. It's about growing deeper in our relationship with God. Allowing ourselves to be filled up by him, honoring him by giving him our most precious commodity, time. And we are going to end the service a little differently today. I would like us to take the opportunity this morning to just spend some time resting before the Lord. And I'm going to have Kyla and Ryan come up and They're going to sing and play what's become one of my favorite worship songs when I just need to remember to slow down and rest in the Lord. And you can use this time to connect with the Lord in whatever way you feel led. Whether that's kneeling at the front down here, sitting in the front row, kneeling in your where the chair where you're at, or just bowing your head, or just singing along in worship. However you feel led, just spend time in his presence. And perhaps there is something in your life right now that you realize is preventing you from resting in the Lord. If you would like to recognize and release that to the Lord today, we've set up, there's a table up here with little pieces of paper and pens. And I encourage you to just come up and write that thing you need to release to the Lord and just place it in the basket. We're just going to pray over those and declare victory over that in Jesus' name. But take this time to just empty your mind of where am I going after church for dinner or the work that's waiting for you at home or all the list of things you still need to do today. Just be still before the Lord. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and just fill you this morning. For Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest.